Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined once again by my trusted colleague, Weston Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, it's been a while since we sat in these chairs. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing all right. <laughs> what would you like to talk about? <laughs> well, where do we start with, uh, with this offseason, right? It's been a newsy offseason for the Green Bay Packers. So here's what we're going to do. We are nine days away from the first round of the NFL draft at the time that we are taping this show. So we have two episodes this week. I think what we'll do is we'll focus this episode on all of the offseason news on the offensive side of the ball for the Packers. Recap all of that. Our next episode will recap all the offseason news on the defensive side and on special teams. And then we get into next week, we can preview the draft, and then we get into the draft, and then in the month of May, we'll be reviewing the draft and all the picks the Packers make and all of that good stuff. So to try to keep things on a certain track, the offensive offseason here for the Green Bay Packers, the two biggest items, quarterback Aaron Rodgers, two-time reigning MVP, four-time MVP overall, is back with a new contract, signing a contract extension, returning to Green Bay. But all-pro wide receiver Devontae Adams is not back. He has been traded to the Las Vegas Raiders. And of all everything that has swirled around this team for the last year to year and a half, if you had told me going into 2022 that Aaron Rodgers would be a Green Bay Packer and Devontae Adams would not be a Green Bay Packer, that would have struck me as the least likely of the scenarios to play out. But yet, that is exactly what played out, and here we are. Yeah, you never know what, what turn you know, the NFL is going to take. And, wow. You know, as much as I was stunned when it all went down with Devontae, now we're a month out from this thing now, this trade with the Raiders. It, 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 you start, it starts to make more sense. And, and when you really remove the emotion from it, you start to understand exactly why it played out the way it did. Certainly, Devontae wanted to be the game's highest receiver, highest paid receiver. He was that for a week uh, before Tyreek <laughs> right. Hill came in. But, you know, he, he wanted to get that accolade, rightfully so, with everything he's accomplished. Certainly, there's the connection with Derek Carr, a, a guy that is one of his best friends. They had a, so much success together during their time at Fresno State. But also, when you start to factor in the, the family side of things, there, there was a big push there as well uh, for Devontae with his family on the West Coast. It, it, it makes a lot of sense. But for the Green Bay Packers, you, you can't sit there and, you know, and, and cry over your tears here. I mean, you have to be able to move on to the next step. They were able to get a first-round pick and a second-round pick from Las Vegas. They now have four picks in the top 60. The first time that has happened for them since 1967 if they choose to pick in those four spots. You look at how they've been able to build around this offense and, and kind of start to chart out this next chapter for Aaron Rodgers. As talented as Devontae is, and he's one of the game's very best, the kingpin here is number 12, the two-time reigning NFL MVP. To have him back in the fold, it's going to be very different this year. Don't get me wrong. This offense will probably even look a lot different. But it starts with Rodgers. He's the straw that stirs this drink. So being able to retain him, build for 222 and beyond, uh, a lot out there for the Packers. Yeah, well, Aaron Rodgers... Obviously, he's, he's not happy with the fact that Devontae Adams is no longer here. But 
by all accounts, he was he was aware of the potential for this trade yeah. that Devontae Adams had had asked to get out of Green Bay, that he wanted to to put himself in a different situation. Um, so the Packers, with uh, Rodgers deciding deciding to come back, fully aware of the possibility, if not likelihood, that Devontae Adams would not be back with him. So he's he's accepted that challenge. On the Adams side of things, the Packers didn't, you know, throw up a sign and say Devontae Adams yeah. is available and make it like this bidding war across the league. Adams had expressed what he wanted, which was to which was to go to the Raiders and be with Derek Carr. The Packers were able to facilitate trade with that one suitor, so to speak, um, get the first and second round draft picks, as you said, to give Brian Gutekunst what uh, what will be for for sure the most active first two days of a draft in his uh, um, in his handful of uh, of drafts in in the catbird seat here as the as the Packers GM. But now moving forward, the wide receiver room not only will, will not have Devontae Adams, but Marquez Valdez-Scantling has signed a free agent deal with the Kansas City Chiefs. Equinemius St. Brown has also departed in free agency. And then just last week, with a lot of angst amongst the fan base as to what is going to happen here at wide receiver because all these guys are leaving, the Packers sign Sammy Watkins. Um, former number four overall pick in the draft, played for a few different teams now, most recently with the Baltimore Ravens last year. And with the free agent prices for wide receivers kind of going crazy, the Packers get Watkins at a very palatable price and a veteran to join Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb as veteran leaders in a receiver room. Uh, moving forward here in 2022. In a move that Aaron Rodgers even voiced his approval of, and Pat McAfee, I should say, the sources that Pat McAfee talks <laughs> to, saying that they were excited about uh, th- that addition. And, and you can see why. I mean, certainly Sammy Watkins is a different type of receiver. It, it, he's not going to be the MVS. He's not going to be the Devontae Adams. The Packers aren't going to ask him to be. But when both of those guys departed, I really felt like they needed to be able to add a veteran there. You just, there's going to be, you're probably going to add some young guys in this draft, maybe even as early as the first two rounds, maybe multiple guys in those first two rounds. But to ask them to come into training camp and be the guy good to go right away, that's a big ask. So to be able to bring in a Watkins with his experience, a guy that really came out of the gates his rookie year and kind of lit the world on fire, well, now he's going to come into this situation. The past history with Matt LaFleur being able to actually share that time with him in 2017. He knows what this offense looks like. And if you look at some of the reports last year and what some people were saying about him in Baltimore, the bunch formations, the slot concepts, he was really successful in those when he was healthy. Unfortunately, the thigh injury and the knee injury crept up, but the Packers, it just gives them another option here as they try to build this thing out and being able to find this next step without Devontae Adams in that room. Yeah, and, and it's, as I had mentioned in Insider Inbox last week, it's a, it's a very smart, sensible move for both sides. I mentioned, obviously, the palatable price for Sammy Watkins when the wide receiver market is kind of going crazy. And from Watkins' point of view, you mentioned his age. He still feels like he has plenty left to offer in this league. He signs a one-year deal, gets a chance to 
catch passes for one season from Aaron Rodgers and hit the free agent market again next yeah. year. So uh, from from his point of view, it, it makes a lot of sense. And and that's how that's how these type of deals yes. come together because because both sides feel good about what they're getting and both sides want to maximize. And I that. was saying this right after the season ended, Mike. Whatever happened with Devondre Campbell or Rasul Douglas, these guys, the Packers now have a blueprint here where they can point to, hey, this guy came in and played under this deal. Devondre Campbell played for $2 million last year. I mean, that's remarkable. Yeah. Right? They're going to be able to say, not only we're going to give you the opportunity to showcase your talent. We believe our scheme is going to fit what you do well. And when you build up that kind of track record, I have to imagine that's something in these agents' minds and these players' minds that's going to hold value in addition to the fact that you have the ace up the sleeve in Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, absolutely. And also from a pass-catching perspective, the Packers have re-signed tight end Robert Tunyon. Now, the timeline for him for 2022 is very much up in the air because of the Week 8 at Arizona last season, the torn ACL that ended Tunyon's 2021 season early. By all accounts, everything is going fine with his rehab and his recovery. We will see, uh, we will see what the timeline is, but that's another guy another guy that the Packers have brought back into the fold to go along with, obviously you have the veteran in Mercedes Lewis, but then these young developing guys, Josiah DeGuara, Tyler Davis, Dominique Daphne, and we'll see what the Packers do in the draft with regard to the tight end position. Um, but still, uh, behind Mercedes Lewis, it just it feels like the Packers have a lot of developmental pieces that you don't know exactly where this is going to go with some of these guys, but they've all shown... They've all shown those flashes, and certainly Tunyon's 2020 season was off the charts remarkable. They've shown flashes of being potentially solid contributors, consistent contributors week to week, and that's what the Packers will be looking for at tight end as this as the passing game adjusts to this new, you know, without Devontae Adams reality. Yeah, and, and they need Robert Tunyon. When the season ended and we saw how things played out, and especially after you saw MVS leave and, and, and Adams leave, you needed to be able to find a way to keep Tunyon because what they need from Robert Tunyon in 2022 is what they didn't have last season, him during the second half of the season. And the earlier he gets back, the better for this offense, no doubt about it. But I really look at this as the type of signing that if it, even if it takes to October or November to get him back, that type of playmaker with the comfortability he has with Aaron Rodgers, that's something that could put you over the top as some of those young receivers get comfortable. So you start to find yourself and your identity a little bit more offensively. And on top of that, they do have a returning nucleus here at tight end to stem the tide until he is back. Mercedes Lewis is still your traditional inline tight end. He's going into year 17. He's going to be 38 here in a couple days. He's, he's on the older side of this thing, yep. but he knows the offense, and they're going to be able to run some of the schematic things they want to do with those running backs because of his presence. I thought Josiah DeGuara showed some things last year. Yes, he is more of that F tight end. Same thing with Dominic Daphne. They're not the traditional type of you know inline guys that you would look for at that position, but there's that ability there. And then certainly I thought Tyler Davis had some moments as well for coming in late. He is a little bit more of that projected traditional tight end. So a lot of options there for Green Bay. In addition to the fact, as you said, undrafted free agency, the draft, there's a lot of different ways that they could augment that roster still. Well, there are also some moving parts on the offensive line for the Packers here in 2022, and I'll, we'll uh, get to those in a minute. I just don't want to lose track of the sponsor business. business. Yes, Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news 
that true football fanatics need 24-7. 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl, Cousin Subs, we believe in better. All right, on the offensive line, Billy Turner was released in what essentially was a salary cap move by the Packers. Lucas Patrick signed as a free agent with the Chicago Bears to become their starting center. After his release, Turner um, signed with the Denver Broncos, a team he's played with previously. So the Packers lose two guys that started a bunch of games on the offensive line over the past couple years. But as you look now at the 2022 offensive line, the Packers are planning to have David Bakhtiari back at left tackle after all the the uh, the false starts, pardon the pun, with regard to his return um, to the field last year that didn't work out. You have two young guards in John Runyon and Royce Newman, both of whom who started the bulk of the season last year. Josh Myers to be back as the starting center after a rookie season that started with a lot of promise, then got derailed by injuries, and then he was back at the end of the year. The big question mark, though, with Elton Jenkins on the mend from his ACL, which happened in November at Minnesota last year, and we don't know the timeline, much the same way with Tunyon, we don't know the timeline exactly for when Elton Jenkins will be back in the lineup. But the biggest question mark as of right now for the Packers is who's going to play right tackle, which is the position that Billy Turner held down for the most part, other than being shifted around a few times himself. Turner held that down for the last couple of years. It would seem the top candidate would be Yash Nyman, that the Packers would flip him from left tackle where he filled in for about half the season, all told for Bakhtiari, that they would flip Nyman to right tackle and give him a chance to compete and win that starting job. And then, of course, we'll see what happens with the draft. Again, with the Packers having having those four picks in the first two rounds, you could certainly see them selecting an offensive tackle early in the draft who would potentially also compete for a starting job from day one, just as uh, Josh Myers walked in and, and started from day one at center last year. That's how the Packers have built this program. They've had it so many times, Mike, you can talk about it so many different positions where they had a returning vet competing for a job, but then they brought in sometimes even a high draft pick to compete with them. I think of Micah Hyde and Haha Clinton Dix in 2014 at the safety position. And I think that's a perfect candidate for it here, too. And depending on the guy, type of guy you get, maybe that's somebody that's also competing for right guard, or who knows? You know? right. I mean, last year, Royce Newman was a guy that was projected to be able to play both of those positions, and for a time did uh, during the offseason program. What I'm curious to see here is not necessarily you know, how this offensive line looks or how the dominoes fall, but really how they rebuild their depth there. Because yes. that's been one of the hallmarks of this thing under Adam Stenovich, that room now being passed on to Luke Buckus as, as Stenovich graduates into the offensive coordinator job. But seeing how they are able to make up for, you know, not having a John Runyon just sitting on the bench now, a guy that, you know, basically played in three or four big situations as a rookie but never started a game. Well, then last year he starts 16 games. Right. And by, in my opinion – you're the one that pointed out the stat on him that he wasn't penalized last year or didn't have an accepted penalty against him. Yeah. This guy, in so many ways, reminds me of Lane Taylor and just a <laughs> steady, consistent presence there. And, and to my eye, 
a guy that could potentially hold down that job for seven, eight years yeah. just because of what he brings in the transition he's been able to achieve there from an all-Big Ten tackle to play in that left guard spot. Royce Newman, certainly there were the ups and downs there in the rookie year, but a fourth-round pedigree, you saw some of the athleticism there. I'll be interested to see where they want to slot him going into this camp. David Bakhtiari, as long as the knee's good, you're good there, and I think Josh Myers is going to continue on that trajectory that they've had with the center position of just having one solid guy after another. Right tackle's the question mark, because when you have somebody like Turner, who was brought in, he played right guard that first year, but I think everybody kind of saw the way the contracts looked. You're paying him money to start at right guard, but it also could be placed over at right tackle, and that's how it worked out. Guy played a lot of football, started a lot of games. Can Nyman make the switch? Yeah. I think he can. Six foot seven, 314 pounds. He opened my eyes, and I think in a lot of ways we saw throughout the course of those eight spot starts what Adam Stenovich saw in this young man and what they wanted to do there. You bring him in. You let him compete for that job. Maybe you draft somebody. If you don't, you still got Dennis Kelly out there that could potentially come back in this thing as well. A lot of options for what Green Bay wants to do, but to me it's not about the starting five. It's about those top seven, eight guys in who you have as potentially those next men up because without Turner, without Patrick, you're losing a lot of versatility with that group. Yeah, the Packers the Packers have lost versatility and they've lost some depth with how this offseason has unfolded to this point. And that's where, again, Brian Gutekunst has never shied away from drafting offensive linemen. We've seen him draft several of them over his, uh, his few years as the GM. And some of them are still here. Some of them have not worked out. But the... The the refortifying of the depth in that unit, I think, is going to is going to come from this draft. Whether it's with with the high picks, you know, the the those picks in the first or second round, or whether it's uh, whether it's with with picks in the in the middle rounds, where then you have you have guys who maybe a guy comes in like Royce Newman, a fourth rounder last year, or you have these other guys who are gonna going to compete with Cole Van Lannan and yep. other young draft picks who Jake are Hansen. Who, who, yeah Jake Hansen those young draft picks from recent years who are making their way and and are uh, filling in some of those depth spots as well the really interesting thing i think and again this is this is projecting this is projecting way down the road but you can humor me for a minute here <laughs> If we say if we say right now the Packers offensive line left to right is going to be Bakhtiari, Runyon, Myers, Newman, and Nyman. Newman and Nyman. That, we'll have to get, like used to, get used to that. But um, law firm. if that say say that is the Packers starting five on the offensive line for for Week One of 2022. At some point, maybe it's going to be six weeks into the year, eight weeks, nine weeks into the season, whatever. At some point, the Packers are hoping and planning to get Elton Jenkins back. Yeah. And this is a guy who can play anywhere across the offensive line and basically has the I think the one spot maybe that he hasn't played in the NFL is right guard. He's played not, all of them. He never started at right guard. He hasn't started at right but guard. But he's played yes, he's had to he, play there too. Yeah. So the question is then when Jenkins comes back, like what do you what do you do? Like where do yeah. you put him? And and to me when you're talking about a player like that of 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 his caliber, but yet he's not going to have an entire training camp. He, he doesn't get an off-season program, a training camp, and all this to get ready. When he's ready to go, he's going to have a couple, three weeks of practice, and then and, and when he's ready, then they will, they'll want to put him into a game. I think I think what might play out here, in a sense, is that if everything's good with Bakhtiari at left tackle and there are no more issues with his knee, those other four guys across the front they might be just playing to keep their job until Elton Jenkins come, comes back. And what I mean by that is 
whichever guy is maybe not playing not quite as well as the other guys of those four spots from left guard all the way over to right tackle, that might be the guy who gets replaced. That may be where you yeah. put in Elton Jenkins, a Pro Bowl guard, but a guy who plays at or near a Pro Bowl level pretty much anywhere across that. Field. Yeah, and I mean, I go back to two years ago, and I, who could have ever foreseen him having to make those three starts for Corey Lindsley when Corey had the yeah. knee injury, the MCL thing. Right, and that was that was his position in college. college. For, the, for a, the most part was at center, and he, and he stepped right in. But uh, but he hadn't even really practiced no. there in the NFL, and uh, and he filled in for Lindsley for three weeks. And then last year, I mean, would you have? And when you and I were talking in week one, would you have ever guessed that it would have been Lucas Patrick starting the most games at center, right. starting eleven games at center last season? Right. Like, there's so many different dominoes that happened, and unfortunately, all of them happened last year for Green Bay. I mean, there really wasn't any situation, there wasn't any position that wasn't affected by it. So. That's where I think you look at the versatility of this group. You look at the depth of the group because, hey, as much as it, that would be the best case scenario for Green Bay is that Elton Jenkins comes back and they got to make a tough decision somewhere on the offensive line. But unfortunately, you go back to last year, a lot of it ended up being, hey, we got this player back. This is great because these three guys are unavailable right now. Right. That that's going to be sort of the uh, the thing I think you have to watch this year. And certainly, you would hope for the Packers' sake, you get Jenkins back. Um, because the thing is, Mike, I, I've never seen anything like him in terms of a guy that – the Packers have had guys who can play multiple positions. I'm now at this point, I'm fully convinced if you start him at any of the five positions for all 16, 17 regular season games, the guy's a pro bowler. Yeah. I mean, it's just his footwork, his power, his athleticism – and he does it in such a mild manner too. Yeah, I mean he's yeah he's like the most unassuming guy. Pound <laughs> like, for pound, people talk about Jair Alexander. They talk about Rashawn Gary, rightfully so. But I mean, pound for pound, to find that guy in the second round three years ago, I mean that to me that's still Brian Gutekunst's best pick, just because yeah you typically can't find those offensive linemen at that spot yeah. that versatile. Yeah. One other topic on the offensive side of the ball to get to before we go, and that is you touched on it a little bit. The changes with the coaching staff. Yeah. Because offensive coordinator, former offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett is now the head coach for the Denver Broncos. Uh, he took tight ends coach Justin Outen with him to be his offensive coordinator out in Denver. And then the Packers quarterbacks coach and passing game coordinator Luke Getze has now taken the offensive coordinator job for the NFC North rivals Chicago Bears where working for a defensive head coach in Matt Eberflus Getsy, excuse me, will be uh, calling the plays. He will be the offensive play caller for Justin Fields and uh, and that Chicago Bears offense. So what that means is Adam Stenovich, offensive line coach, has now moved up to offensive coordinator. Luke Butkus, Stenovich's assistant on the offensive line, is now the lead coach at that position. Jason Vrabel, the wide receivers coach, has, has gotten the passing game coordinator title um, added to his duties. John Dunn, who was a senior analyst on the offensive staff, has now been internally promoted to be the tight ends coach to replace Justin Outen. And then Tom Clements, a familiar yeah. face, an old friend, um, worked on Mike McCarthy's staff as quarterbacks coach, as offensive coordinator, as associate head coach from the span of, I believe it was 2006 through 2016. Yeah. So he was on McCarthy's staff for 11 years. Tom Clements is back as the quarterbacks coach, and uh, and obviously Aaron Rodgers, um, who has spoken um, glowingly over the years and very gratefully 
about the impact that Tom Clements had on his development and on, on this road now that has, uh, that has included four MVP awards for Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers had a lot to do with Tom Clemens essentially coming out of a one-year retirement to return to the, to the coaching ranks and to his old job as quarterbacks coach in Green Bay. And it was refreshing to hear his perspective on things too, right? Because he was talking about retirement life in California and as glamorous it sounded, uh, especially for guys like you and me, who I think our, our gray hairs are popping up by the day just based on the way the, the, the business works. Um, he's taking it easy. And, and rightfully so. The guy's played a lot of football. He's coached a lot of football. He mentioned how difficult those two years were on his family. They were back in California. He's down in Arizona mentoring Kyler Murray right after they drafted him. Right. Um, on, on Cliff Kingsbury's staff. And ultimately just decided, you know what, I'm good. And it sounds like he was good last year. But Rodgers is the one that reached out. He kind of wanted to see after Getsy had moved on to Chicago, hey, well, what are you thinking? Would this be something you're interesting you? Interesting to you and it, i loved clements's line with was basically well what are you thinking you know like, <laughs> yeah. are, okay right. I, am i gonna come back and are you gonna be here i mean as much as i'm sure he enjoys mentoring young quarterbacks the the draw is there with rogers and in reuniting with the guy that he was with in his first four years in that specific role as a starting quarterback so uh rogers has talked so many times past present about what the impact was of Tom Clemens. I think Clemens has had a Midas touch for his approach to Rodgers and his understanding of the game and what his rules are for that position. And certainly I, I think it makes a lot of sense for him to come back. If I may, before I hand the baton back over to you, I do think Matt LaFleur deserves a mighty tip of the cap this offseason because one of the things that coaches, especially when they have success early on, are want to do is to start – you know, not allowing those young guys to maybe necessarily come off of their staff. They have a system in place. They're scared of change. Matt LaFleur is not afraid of change. And I think that speaks volumes of him as, in terms of his confidence as a coach and also his ability to, to identify talent and to bring up talent. You mentioned all those coaches there early on, right? You had Butkus, who was an assistant offensive line coach. Adam Stenovich was an assistant offensive line coach with the 49ers. Jason Vrabel got here as an offensive assistant. These guys were basically in just elevated roles from quality control yeah. ultimately. And now they are his next the next guys up and I'm telling you Mike in the coaching world that goes a long way because coaches are going to look around and they're going to see the ladder that has kind of developed in Green Bay, the coaching tree that has sprouted, that's going to attract more young talent when it comes to quality control, when it comes to senior analysts, when it comes to guys that are like, you know what, that system in Green Bay works. I think that's the ultimate testament to Matt LaFleur and also the communication that he had with Nathaniel Hackett. Hackett said they were talking about it a year earlier when he was interviewing for the Atlanta Falcons job. Right. He didn't want to be a guy that just raided Matt LaFleur's staff but they wanted to be in communication with each other if there were opportunities for some of the guys like a Justin Outen to develop. I, I think that's the best part of this game when you can make things like that happen. Yeah, when you've, when you've had the success, especially early in your head coaching career that Matt LaFleur has had, it's going to create opportunities for guys on your staff who are deserving of those opportunities, but you may not have those openings available yep. on your own staff. You can, you can only have so many coordinators, right? So 
Matt, Matt Lafleur has, I'm sure, I'm sure, mentally, if not on paper in a file somewhere, had been preparing for an off season like this, where guys were going to move on, guys were going to leave, things were going to need to be shifted around, and he had some very, very solid ideas as to as to how he wanted to navigate through this situation. And now here we are in 2022. It's a, it's it's very much a new look. It's it's a new look coaching staff, but yet it's not a complete overhaul no. either. There's a there's a there, there's a blend there in terms of how Matt Lafleur was able to navigate uh, navigate the situation, and now pretty soon, well, in about a month or so, I guess OTAs when they actually start practicing um, full time on the field, then uh, then these guys these these coaches will get back to to doing what they do best, which uh, and, and what they what they like to do best, which is to run practice and to see where this season is headed. And I'm telling you, Mike, you don't need to be a head coach in the National Football League. You can be a manager at a grocery store. You can be a principal at a school. You can work at a tire shop. If you inhibit opportunities of your employees, that is going to build up contempt. Yeah. And Matt LaFleur gets it. He gets it in a way that not just NFL coaches typically don't get it. Human beings don't get You have to allow people to spread their wings sometimes and trust that you're going to find more talented people to replace them. And I, I just I, – I thought this offseason and how LaFleur handled it was a master class in how you go about doing it because you can't be afraid of change. Adapt or die. Yeah, absolutely. Well, with that, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team, lots of draft preview, roster roster position by position, examination of the Packers, everything heading into, the, into this upcoming draft. We've got it all for you on Packers.com. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.